Sophie, one half of the Lodgecast, just popping in to let you know that something exciting happened in Beaverland recently. Do you remember David Oakes, actor, environmentalist, host of the Trees A Crowd podcast, also star guest from our Series 2 Episode 5 where we talked traffic like trees and beaver bakeries? Well, it just so happened that he visited Loch Lomond in Scotland recently and managed to catch up with RSPB Reserve Manager Paula Baker to ask how the beavers were settling in. Now, several months have passed since a family of beavers were released into the Loch Lomond National Nature Reserve in early 2023, and already theirs is a story worth telling. Their release was only the second within-range translocation within Scotland since 2009, and they are also the first beavers to arrive within a National Nature Reserve, and a pretty famous one at that. So, how have the beavers modified the wetland around the floodplain and River Endrick? What has the response been to the presence of beavers? And what are the challenges ahead, not just for the beavers, but for Paula and her team? Well, it's over to David to see what he found out. Can you tell me now, please? They had oats with chia seeds, banana and peach. That is perfect. Great. Great. Hello. Um, Right. So who are you and what do you do? Um, I'm Paula Baker. I'm site manager for RSPB Scotland Loch Lomond. Um, Does the B in RSPB stand for beavers? Uh, I mean, it could do, could stand for lots of things, but actually it's birds. Okay, great. So let's talk about beavers then. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Beavers have been on site now for just over six months, I think. Yep. You were here for release day, were you not? I was, I was. I was in the project team that was involved in all of the preamble to getting the licence and I was here on the day of the release. Yep. How did it go? It went really well. I mean, there's too, almost too schedule to plan, which remarkable really given that they're a wild creature. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was a fantastic thing to be part of. I think it was a huge relief because it had been a lot of very intensive work over a quite short amount of time. Sure. Um, but yeah, it went really well. How many were let go? Seven, so two adults and five kids. And they were bred from captivity or they were translocated from somewhere else? No, so they, they, they're part of the... They, they'd come from one of the conflict areas in Scotland, in Tayside, and so they were the only the second... We were only the second site to have translocated beavers in Scotland. Okay. Where's the other one? Um, Argerty in Stirlingshire. They were the first to have a licence and to translocate them. Oh, great. So what are the hopes and why here? Why does Loch Lomond get beavers? Why is it so important to be number two? Yeah, I think we wanted to we wanted to be the first NNR to have them, first, you know, protected area. We're mm. in the National Park. I think it's really important in terms of the aspirations for the National Park and you know, future uh, nature restoration for beavers to be here. Um, this is one of the last kind of fragments of wetland left in this area. And I suppose the question would be, if we can't do it here, then where where can you do it you know this is a protected place for nature where beavers should and would have been so six months in what's happening are there any surprises so we released them on the Aber Burn which is like a right in the middle of the RSPB section of the NNR 
and of course they're wild creatures so they've then just done what they wanted mm-hmm. so we had a little bit of a disappointment uh, quite early on after about a month on site um two of the kits were predated by otter okay. um, and we actually saw that happening on on some That's of our to monitoring be expected, though right yes exactly they're part of the landscape and the beavers are adapting to what's already here sure. and uh, otters are opportunistic so so yeah it is it was to be expected but obviously when you put so much work into something yeah. it's a little bit like oh oh dear that's a shame as far as i understand it every single translocation project has a sort of a a buffer of of, of whether it be beavers or bison or whatever beavers that get lost or predated or yeah yeah um, i don't know they might drown they might get lost they might get shot they might get there's a there's a buffer. yeah yes and i think there's you know there's an expected winter mortality for kits anyway in the wild so um it's just all part of it but after that what we saw is the adults whoever was left behind um just working their way further and further along the burn more down towards the River Endrick. So we were just monitoring field signs, so where they were feeding and where we were seeing them on our cameras. And then they just, we, we almost didn't see them for quite a while and we were like, oh no, what's happened? Sure. But then they just keep appearing every now and again on one of our cameras. So we've recorded field signs about 10 kilometers away from where they were originally released. Mm-hmm along the Endrick and then lots of just little places all the way along. Uh, We spent quite a lot of time doing surveys just around all the the wetland areas of the NNR to see, well, have they just come and built a lodge somewhere else? Is there any damming or anything like that? I think what's really happened is that they're just, they, they probably, because of the time of year they were released, wouldn't have any young this year. So they've just kind of hung around um, feeding and sleeping and getting to know the area, getting to know the area. And, from what I've understand from other places where there's beavers, but there's you know there's a bit more of a population. Mm-hmm. You'll have beavers in a in their territory, and then there'll be some territorial marking, and then that's marking the point for the next beavers. Sure. But we don't have that yet, so there's they can just keep going wherever they want as long as they've got food and somewhere to shelter. Then they'll be happy. The thinking being that they will settle eventually. They will find a point in the river where they go actually we quite like it here yes most likely and when they want to breed they will have to build a lodge somewhere so they will have to set up a more permanent location and we're kind of expecting that because in the summer there's so much herbaceous vegetation you know grasses and rushes and flowering plants and things that they can be eating you're less likely to see the feeding signs on willow which are really obvious Mm -hmm. Um, but i think as we get more towards the autumn will start to see that again and they'll also start to gather food to store over the winter in somewhere so hopefully we'll be able to find where where that location is are you allowed to share how many beavers you think there are here um i mean we we regularly seeing the adults on the cameras um i you're not allowed to say how many there are i don't the two adults two adults two okay adults, yeah yeah and unsure about the other kits we haven't we haven't seen them on the cameras there have been lots of stories about beaver bombing illegal releases um in the press relatively recently do you think there are illegal beavers in the area as well that they might come into contact with or do you think that is unlikely i don't think so because there are quite a lot of um the tayside population has spread into quite a lot of areas within the the kind of trossocks Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so, and they can travel such a distance as we've even seen from the ones that were released here. Um, so in 2019, we did actually record an individual that was feeding along the Endrick. So they'd already, they'd already had been a beaver make it here naturally. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's a possibility when it comes to dispersal again that that could happen if there's high enough water levels. But it's quite a geographical divide with some of the, the water courses. So sure. I think you need the rivers to be in spate for that to be possible. In terms of your population, is the hope now purely to let them breed and let them expand naturally or would you do a secondary translocation and bring in some more individuals yeah i, I mean we we're, we're certainly looking at that you mm. know if there's a possibility of this area supporting more beavers then that's something we will be considering um but i think that will ultimately be something that the the beaver trust help us to decide in terms of we don't want to introduce a family into another beaver's territory and sure, cause sure. an issue there um so and but yes i guess if we if we just had the the family that we introduced we would just hope that they breed and mm -hmm. start to increase the numbers but i think really what we want is other landowners to feel confident to also do releases um in the area and then there will be more diversity do you think that's happening do you think the local communities are interested in that kind of thing um I, that's a big I'm, sigh <laughs> i i'm just um there's not a huge amount of other places immediately around here sure. where wetland ecology, I suppose, is the focus. But there may well be other landowners who... I think one of the things that a lot of people felt would happen is that there would be very immediate impacts on the landscape. Mm -hmm. And what's happened in reality is the beavers have just disappeared and unless you're really looking, you have no idea that they're there. Sure. Um, well, such is the joy of having a, a genuinely large area of land. Yes, Um and so I would like to hope that that is something that people start to think, well, maybe it's not as bad as I thought mm -hmm. and that there are other places maybe further north in the national park that feel where there's landowners that might feel more confident to, to do a translocation. I think at the moment the focus is more towards Cairngorms sure. direction for, for this winter or, or, or the following. Um, how are the locals finding it? As in, are you getting more tourist footfall? Are people coming here to try and find the beavers that you can't see yourselves well i mean within the kind of first month we were there's a vol chirping over there hey vol yeah <laughs> uh, within the first month we were we did certainly have a lot of beaver fever mm -hmm. and our car park was full and um we were completely overwhelmed by people who were obviously wanted to come and see it's so exciting yeah. it's a, you know it's a species reintroduction of, of a, a large mammal that you know people would love to be able to see uh, and of course they come out at in the late evening and overnight so most people who are here in the day maybe would see the feeding signs and that's it mm -hmm. um that has calmed down um and i think but it ha but our visitor numbers have increased anyway i think Good. um just as a result of some other work that we've been doing on site such as um so we built a new fully accessible trail that leads all the way to the shores of loch lomond so mm. um that is before we just had the circular path and now sure. we have a route that can take you all the way to the loch shore into the beautiful oak woodland um down onto a nice little bit of beach so that's very popular Gorgeous. in the summer it's that thing as well you forget how close lot lomond is to glasgow mm -hmm. you can just sort of pop out in 25 30 minutes it's yes exactly here. yeah yeah we're, we're very accessible to quite a large proportion of the central belt here but still relatively unknown i think um what challenges do you think lie ahead for the lot lomond beavers is it going to be more kit predation is it going to be just to see if the, the the adults that you've got here are prepared to sort of breed and to expand 
Yes, so I think... Um, is it as simple as just a waiting game, really? I think so. Hope We hope that the pair that are together stay together. I guess if they decide they don't want to breed, then there's not anyone else at the moment for them to, mm -hmm. to go to. Um, I think... Uh, there was a fascinating Lynx uh, reintroduction project in Europe. I can't remember where it was exactly. They released two individuals, but they were both male. Okay. And, and unsurprisingly, the the program didn't work terribly well. Yeah, that's that's uh, a mistake. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know we definitely had a male and a female, although I'm told it's very difficult to tell. But all the experts were like, no, that's a pair. Um, and um, yes, I mean, predation will always be something. But I guess what you would think is because this has happened previously, that this pair is more aware of that mm -hmm. and they're more aware of the environment they're in now and so that that would they would be more protective aware of of other predators. is there a threat of the otters actually going oh that was tasty let's try and find more of those guys i guess so but i'm told that an adult beaver is no uh, an otter is no match for an, for an adult, adult beaver. beaver no i can believe that yeah so i think they would get scared off pretty quickly is there anything that you have seen in particular, as in personally, or anything that you are particularly excited about? Not you, RSPB, but you, Paula, as an individual. Mm, yeah. I. The whole thing for me has been a massive learning curve. I really did started from zero with my beaver knowledge, other than they, I knew they didn't eat fish. Mm -hmm. um, Which is a good starting point, mostly, <laughs> but I think they do. Yes, yeah. Um, I think the fascinating thing for me was how quickly they were making impacts on the habitat and that was really exciting. So our watercourse is pretty flashy, you know, I, the, the, the water levels go up and down quite quickly. Uh, the water comes out of the system really quickly because it's a man-made channel that was put in in the 80s due to some pollution issues that were happening elsewhere. They diverted the course of the channel. Uh -huh. So it's very straight and water just goes out of it very quickly and so in a wetland what you really want is for the water to go out s yeah, more yeah. slowly and almost within a couple of weeks you could see that the beavers had changed the shape of the sides of the riverbank just by their feeding activities so they'd pulled soil down and created these little platforms but by doing that they'd created you know a deep part of the channel and a shallow part of the sure. channel that didn't exist before and I just think if they decide to come back to the site there's so many things that that beavers can potentially do for the wetland to make it more dynamic than humans ever could i think mm. that's what's really exciting to me are you in favor of pretty much all reintroduction programs i mean i think that's they have to be question. really they have to be well thought out because i think it is possible to do a reintroduction where the species is not being introduced into the conditions that are right for them sure. and that it's being done as a in, in a more tokenistic way and I think you have to think about you know we, we spent a lot of time thinking about well there are already lots of protected species here mm -hmm. and how do beavers impact those so I think were there any worries in that sense were there any of the I mean there, there are species that we will we do we will be monitoring sure um, I think we're concerned that there's, there may be some clashes with other herbivores because beavers create coppice woodland, but if that coppice doesn't get a chance to regenerate, sure. then actually then there won't be that woodland there. Um, but yeah, I think they have to, reintroductions do have to be well thought out and sure. have the right people behind them. 
fascinating stuff. Thanks again to David Oakes for this wonderful update on the beavers at Loch Lomond. It's a great reminder that the arrival of beavers to a site is just the beginning, and there's much to learn from site managers like Paula and from careful observation when beavers begin modifying a habitat. For more from David, why not give Trees a Crowd a listen and subscribe for regular conservation conversations? And from us here at Beaver Trust, stay tuned into the Lodgecast as we have exciting plans up our sleeves. Don't forget you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Beaver Trust. You can head over to our website beavertrust.org and you can sign up to our email newsletter full of blogs, videos, learning resources and more. Bye for now. This podcast, as always, is a mixture of fact and opinion. It was hosted by Sophie Pavel and edited by Emma Bristian for Beaver Trust.